This is Monica Perez here with Steve Poikinen, whom I originally met on Slow News Day, but you probably know him from AM Wake Up, a daily show first thing in the morning on Rockman. God bless him. But I see him all the time because we share a screen on Union of the Unwanted, which I think we both feel very privileged to be such frequent guests there. Thank you so much for joining me, Steve. I know you're a busy guy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic, Monica. Thank you for having me on. And and yeah, I do. I, I always, for the first year and a half on Union of the Unwanted, I, I kind of felt like imposter syndrome-y. Right. And, and uh, I did just, yeah, it is, it's a, it's a magical place. It really is. I remember my first show there. I was like so completely like excited to be a part of it and I had to actually get some courage, even though I'd been like a literally broadcaster for 10 years or whatever. I, I was a little nervous saying something. And the first thing I said was something like, well, Trump is fake and this is how I know. And I will tell you that first day there were, I, I was expecting, you know, big snaps and I did not get all the big snaps I was hoping for. And I was like, oh, I totally read this wrong. But uh, but what I had discovered with the Union of the Unwanted is that it does not, you can say whatever you want, like nobody, nobody gets annoyed. There's no, like, there is absolutely no censorship. There's no, like, literally no agenda. So anyway, they invited me back and I love it. So, yeah. and it's always fun to see you there. It, and nobody shouts over anybody. There's never any yeah, well, very minimal hijacking. I'm an interrupter, as you can see, because I just hey. interrupted you. But <laughs> I mean, it's you <laughs> know, you but that's do? natural flow of conversation, <laughs> and that's that's different than you need to bully your way into the conversation so that you can have your minutes on a popular podcast or whatever it is. And that doesn't happen. That's all. That's true. And that's, that's, it is like, as you hope for humanity that we are like naturally civilized, you know what I mean? Like that's as an anarchist, I feel like it's good to see people behaving without enforcement, but you also, I mean, I just, you do and wake up. It's like three hours every single weekday. Is that correct? Um, I'd been, I took, uh, Friday off over the summer because my kids were here and, and we're just about to the point where we're going to reincorporate Fridays. But yeah, for the couple of years now, I've been I'm getting up early and doing uh, some sort of version of the morning show. And then we had it for a year in Vegas with, with Pasta. And then he went to go do the campaign trail yes. stuff and uh, now has a, a Hawaii Lahaina documentary. Um, yes, I know. I remember because I'm always confused because I remember first listening when you were in Vegas and now I see it's, are you in Northern California? Am I, I am always back getting that in Northern wrong? California, yes. yeah. So, yeah, and yeah. that's a real background, correct? This is all, yeah, you'll oh see gosh. eventually like a couple of birds, you probably hear the freaking oh, yeah. starlings, but uh, the chickens will, our chickens will wander up onto the porch and like interrupt oh, the show yeah. and um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well, all, it's, I, I, I did, I was a carpenter. 25 years and, and I've always just like worked outdoors. So when I started doing this stuff, you know, five, six years ago, I was like, well, I, I don't want to be indoors anytime anyway. Why would I do my show somewhere? I don't want to be. It was unnatural being in Vegas and being in the studio it was cool. I, it was different. I liked it. Yeah, things happen. But, you know, times change. You do what yeah. you do, and then something else comes along. But it's beautiful. I lived up there for a few years, 
not probably where you are, but in Northern California, like, cause the climate's so different. You, you know, when you're in Northern California and it is, I mean, that's magical too. And I, I know that they've like, it's kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, they have beauty strips there. So it looks like it's still super lush, but some, there's been a lot of development behind the scenes, but there's still so much of that. And I, I, uh, you know, I fear, like, I think a lot of us who do this kind of podcasting, really fear what's in store for us by from the powers that be. But I just hope that they're not so foolish as to want to destroy the earth for real, lest they themselves not be able to participate in it. So I'm hoping that we're like the heirloom people who they let exist to keep things flowing. And you're one of those people. And I like I it. I love it was, that. There's yes, a, a woman me. in our, our homeschool group uh, that makes heirloom human t-shirts. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Gosh, my, my kids are not heirloom human. I did not know until, um, like, my first even questioning of the vax, I didn't even, I didn't even question it when I um, had a radio show in, the, in Atlanta where the CDC is, and Del Bigtree had a, one of his documentaries, whatever, came to the movie theater and people, and I was on the air and people kept calling and saying, oh, there's this premiere, people should go. And I was happy to say, you know, and they were like, well, what do you think about vaxxes or whatever? I was like, oh, I have absolutely no idea. My kids are vaxxed. Like, I have no idea, but I'm absolutely happy to drive people to that. My boss told me that it was one of the only times, may have been the only time up to that point that he ever got emails telling him to take me off the air. And I would say crazy stuff, but or not crazy, but it sounded crazy. But that was it. And I think it was because that's where people's bread was buttered and they just did not want. And and it took me so long to even start to think about it. But it's not too late and it's not too late for anyone. And I, I have to hat tip um, Greg Carlwood for having these gals on his show who did uh, a book about Gardasil. And, they, and I, it saved my kids from that. And they talked about how, which I couldn't believe, that the placebos are not just saline. They have mm -hmm. adjuvants in them. So it's not even a good study at all if adjuvants are the thing that, I mean, it's really devious. Oh, the I mean, the whole thing is, uh, I, and I, I didn't have this opinion three, four years ago, but I, I've come to question the entirety of virology. I've come to see the vast majority of it as nothing more than a, a financial misdirect that has been built into uh, one of the most influential behemoths uh, uh, on the planet. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if virology itself is the result of a gain-of-function experiment, honestly. Because they've been working on it for decades and decades, and I just, you know, I do question germ theory. But I want to ask you a little bit more about your show. So, so Pasta moved on. Is he ever around? I haven't seen him. Um, so he he dropped in what, once or twice, uh, but he he'd originally gone to go back to Florida uh, to be with his mom, and oh, right, uh, yeah. And then uh, he jumped on the campaign trail, was following RFK Jr. around for a little bit, um, wound up in, in L.A. He's been sitting in co-host and Jimmy Dore show. Yes, uh, yes, I've For heard a little that, while, yeah. cool. and as cool. far as I know, is still out in L.A. But yeah, then went down to Hawaii for a little bit, too. So, so you have guest hosts or whatever. You have a variety of co-hosts, one of whom is T. Snyder. 
who I, mm-hmm. I just had on my show. He always trips me out, like he makes me think in a new way. And I wanted to ask you about, you're doing, what is Third Eye Carnival, which is you and Tease are teaming up for that. Tell me about that. So the whole reason Tease is on on Wednesdays uh, and the show, it's, it's kind of taken on a, a life of its own. And I'm just sort of here, you know, <laughs> experiencing it in real time and making <laughs> yeah. jokes. Um, but but yeah, it's, it, early on in, in AM Wake Up's arc, uh, Ryan Christian started coming on every Tuesday and that just sort of turned into a T-Lav Tuesday thing. So that's sort of embedded into the show. Um, recently started doing, uh, on Thursday, a beef intelligence segment with Texas Slim from the <laughs> nice. Beef Initiative, which is awesome. And we go way deep into how agriculture's been captured, what people can do in their own communities to reclaim their food supply, all kinds of shit. Go way off subject, but relevant to the overall picture. Um, Slim is a character. He's awesome. Really enjoy this fella. Uh, can people, I ask you? Can I ask you a question to ask him? Yeah, oh yeah. Sorry, I want, I want you to finish. I'm sorry because I do interrupt. But did, have you heard of appeal? The stuff that they're putting on all vegetables, mm-hmm. even in Whole Foods and stuff. So I want to know how to avoid that. I guess I'm just gonna have to start growing stuff. But this and go to your farmers girl. markets and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> brown thumb. Okay, it, if I'll you have that. a brown thumb, it's okay because there's usually a farmers market within a 25 okay. minute drive. There usually okay. is. Yeah. I can do that. Yes. All right. So go ahead. So, so yeah. that, yes, that's a super cool but, feature. So, so Wednesday, Tease hit me up a while ago and he was like, Hey, um, I think people really need to, you know, share some information with, with people who, who need a, a nudge. I'm like that. Yes. And, I understand. and so we, um, you know, so I, I had him come on so that we can talk about this in a whole bunch of different ways in as myriad aspects and as like weird and wild philosophically as you can imagine Tease gets, you know, just just cover what has been going on to make us disconnect from our friends, family, loved ones, community members, why it's happened, what we can do about it. And and so with both the Wednesday and the Thursday bits with Tease and Slim, what we're really doing is, uh, presenting real-time solutions to everybody that they can incorporate into their lives at whatever level they want to. If they want to put 5% of their energy into it, they can. If they want to put their whole self into it, they can. But each little bit is going to help, you know. Um, And so it it evolved a little bit into, we got to get together in real did three three dimensions. You got to do this in, in person is where Definitely. it's the most impactful. And so if you don't lead by example, nobody's going to get off their ass and do it themselves. So um, to the best of our ability and with the help of, of producers of the show, uh, in Pueblo, Colorado on uh, the 4th of November, which is a Saturday at the Blowback Gallery, um, which is a, a art, music (laughs) venue um, uh, ran by a gentleman uh, named Jeff, I think, Mardson, uh, who who also is part of the whole uh, Richard Grove Autonomy Universe, uh, uh, is going to, you know, has the event space. We're going to have live music. 
um, some metal bands, little, hopefully a little bit of comedy. We're still working that final bit out. Um, Charlie Robinson is going to come down. Uh, Lindsey Sharman from Rogueways uh, lives in, in Colorado Springs up the road. Um, and she'll be in for that. Uh, her fellow, who's also a good buddy of mine, and my aura twin. There's a story. Wow. Yeah. We're how, aura how do you twins. determine that? Who saw it? Who noticed that? There was this crazy lady at an event we were at who got brought up to read everybody's aura. She lives in wow. like Redding, California or something like that. We were a little bit outside at uh, Ben Balderson's old place from Odin's Alchemy, his old place up at, outside of Redding. We were all hanging out up there. And uh, this aura reading lady came up. She had this little machine and you put your feet on it and you put your hands in it. And it was like, remember the video game glove thing? Yeah. That they had for a couple. It was kind of like yeah. that. You had two of them. And then your feet went in something and it supposedly read your aura. Well, Johnny, uh, Johnny Larson, who's an incredible artist in his own right, does amazing freaking work uh, in a couple of different levels, both with visual art and then uh, and musically. Um, he and I had like an identical aura. Wow. It, it, it goes from she... reading this to presenting a, a, a two-dimensional image in color and it's your oral spectrum. Can she tell you what more about it? Like, what does that yeah. mean? Is it yeah, positive? Like, I've been told to have a positive aura. I don't even know what that yeah, means. Yeah, <laughs> there's a color spectrum. It's racist. Oh. Um, <laughs> I wonder what I am. I want to be And white. If you have a white aura, you are the most pure soul. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, and so both Johnny and I had like a, a white ring and then like violet light. So like a halo. Like halo sorta, is legit. Sorta, but a legit halo concept, on the inside, maybe. much harder yes. to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Not <laughs> yeah quite but it's as just interesting that spiritual paintings and stuff basically painted an aura if you're super high end. So yeah. that's interesting. I just think that's like kind of validating since it went back to. Before before woo woo times, I mean the whole thing was kind of fascinating. It was weird. It was weird, but so we to this day we'll 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 joke about being aura twinsies. But that is uh, adorable. Yeah, the, he'll be down. Um, so he'll be in Pueblo on November fourth for absolutely. Third Eye Carnival. Absolutely, you can if you and if you are watching right now and you have the ability to see auras, you can find out if this lady was selling us a line of, a malarkey or not. That's right. Yeah, you can get some aura verifiers there. We've been operating under a delusion <laughs> for years, possibly, possibly. Yeah, but you know what? Maybe your aura grows together. Maybe just willing it so, like you know, the mother, father, Ooh. sister, brother club, where everybody starts to look like people even look like their dogs after a while <laughs> so I well that sounds beautiful looking pit bulls so oh uh, yes knows? i have met your pit bull it's a girl right no he's a fella oh he's oosh, a fella ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's still intact too so that's, that's right hard to miss. that's right i knew i knew gametes came into the play somehow so um pueblo is absolutely beautiful is it not if i recall correctly i lived in colorado for a year but in Denver, and uh, and even that was quite beautiful. Yeah, I mean the whole state is just oh my gosh, really awesome. And there's I I you know people feel a certain way about the state, and there's a lot of reasons for it that are valid. And I lived there for a few years too, and you know there's definitely parts to to not like about it, but that's everywhere. It is. It's just for raw beauty. It, it's one of the places in, in America that can't be beat. That's for sure. I remember I lived there so long ago. I was like actually underage. I dropped out of high school and kind of ran away from home, whatever. And I lived out there for a year. And it was so far, so long in the past that they had 
bumper stickers that looked like the, I don't even know if they still have these license plates with the green, with the white, the mountains. I don't even know if there. But the bumper sticker said, like, um, go back west or, like, Californicate, you know, no more Californication. Like, that was the first time I ever heard of being Californicated. What year was and, this? Gosh. Vaguely. Because I the can't. first time I went to California, or to in Colorado. The 80s. In okay. the 80s. I went in the first time I got there to go live there was like 97 or something like that. And oh, the no, joke, that was the way joke at the that. time was, Hey, did you hear everybody stopped having sex in California? Uh huh. Yeah, they're all fucking here. <laughs> that's good. That's really good. But I'm sure that's what ruined it. I'm sorry, just as a Californian, I, well, I, an adopted Californian against my will, I would say more or less. Right. Uh, no, I imagine that's what ruins, that's what's ruining Texas. Although what's ruining Texas is also New Yorkers and stuff. So I have to take responsibility from all, all, all sides. My husband's from Texas and we always wanted to move back there. And we go there and all we see is just, oh my gosh. Like it's, it's like we were saying about the union of the unwanted. People stay in their lane. They're very respectful. You go to Austin, which doesn't have a lot of zoning and it just had a lot of little colorful cottages and stuff like that. You, now you drive in, it's just like every fifth house or whatever is zero lot line and absolute box from bottom to top. And it just has like, you know, whatever, a star, you know, big rusty star over the, <laughs> over the door to act like they're actual Texans. And you're just like, it's fucking Californians. And now they have to make laws and they brought some of their like homelessness laws in and stuff. Oh my gosh, really? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. My aspiration is dashed. I've heard, I've heard about the decline of Austin. I haven't been there in a really long time. I used to, when I was doing the whole Renaissance Festival thing, we would, we would go over because I was right outside of Dallas. So it was a couple, you know, with a couple hours, but, um, but it was fun. Yeah, oh I, yeah. Super fun. But it looks like it's been pillaged. Like you go down there now and it's just the, the detritus and stuff. And what they did is they sent a delegation to San Francisco and California and LA to see how they handle homelessness. And of course they changed the policies. People say it's a scam to try to get zoning laws changed for builders and stuff. I don't know what, definitely a scam. Um, I just haven't cracked the code on it yet. We have Hoovervilles though. Again, and we have for oh, yeah. almost 15 years now yeah. since the 08 financial collapse. Like we've had legitimate Hoovervilles that have expanded over the year to the point to where they're almost, you know, home bum palaces now. In they're LA, like, for sure. Oh, dude, you have half a hotel under a bridge. Oh, my gosh. And then now they're bringing in tiny houses, which, I mean, you have to realize that you're not dealing with people who are going to keep things neat. I mean, I'm not criticizing them, but just that they're out of the, you know, two standard deviations of, you know, a, a manicured lawn and you get rats and stuff when you do things like that. And the people, you know, the, the voters and stuff who want to think of themselves as super compassionate and allow this stuff to happen. Now they're getting super pissed. I don't know. I don't know. But it's a mess. It is. One thing, if you don't mind us talking business a little bit, one thing that amazes me is it's so hard for me to pay attention to politics, which is funny because, like, my kids think I have, like, a political show. I'm like, I hate politics. I think politics yeah. is fake and weird and just terrible. So 
Uh, so anytime I hear you talking about candidates and elections and um, kind of political maneuverings, I'm always so impressed that you can actually focus on this stuff enough to have insights. So I was wondering if you could share some of your insights about kind of what to expect from you know, over the next year, what you think is really going on behind the scenes. Like I, I, I hadn't done a show on my own for a while. Like I took the summer off, but I just watched the GOP second debate. So there's seven people on stage. There's like seven subjects. And I'm just laughing. Like I was like, I didn't know these guys wanted to invade Mexico. Like <laughs> when did that happen? So I just wonder, you know, I, I probably shouldn't just spring on you such an open-ended question, but I am just wondering, like, what do you, what do you think? What's your gut? Who are you voting for, Steve? <laughs> yeah, about that. Um, so what's, I, what what is kind of funny is, is that because I think we both have like a, a political background. You didn't, and I, if I'm not mistaken, you do instrumental the political moment for you was the Ron Paul revolution. Oh yes, definitely. And, yes, um, I, I did. I love it. He's he might even be an op, but I still love him. Oh no, Ron. I be yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Same with samezies. I you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, so it's yeah, the the overall analysis doesn't really change. Do you know what I mean? Like once once you've cracked the code and you realize that it's a uniparty with a bunch of really poorly trained actors who are running around as the PR firm for oligarchs who don't care about them, let alone you. Like right, once, literally on stage with scripts. Yes, correct, <laughs> correct, literally, and, and telling you. I could only call on this person from this outlet. Hang on, hang on. Let me look at my notes oh, here. Oh, I know. Isn't that funny that like when when Obama was in office, they were it was like a scandal. Like I think they gave the questions in advance, or like I think they screened, you know. And and now that's just that's just like accepted. Well, we, they can't go out there raw and answer questions. You know, it's so <laughs> weird. Yes, they, the one thing I'll say it is same old, same old. But they just got so sloppy. Like they don't even care. Well, that's that's kind of that to me signals the mask off moment for we're allowed to act like the totalitarians that some of you know we are. And, and the, there is there's a ton of hubris that's involved in it. And that's why it's so sloppy. But there's also kind of an assumption that they're allowed to do whatever they want because it's too corrupt to fix. And, and that brings us to the. Democratic Party and their 2024 electoral process, which looks to be because um, they said right out of the gate, we're not having a primary. It shows the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. Definitely the guy. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> By the way, if you step foot in Iowa or New Hampshire, we're going to make sure that those votes go to the incumbent anyway. So don't try to campaign there. Uh, we're moving around the primary schedule. We're going to make it so, you know, bigger states get to determine the outcome first and all of these things. And still, Robert F. Kennedy goes, I'm going to be a Democrat. And, run for president. <laughs> and, and people went, oh, OK, take my money, you know, <laughs> and, and now he's saying he's going to run as an independent, which means, OK, Unless you align yourself with a political party that already has ballot access in all 50 states, which isn't a lot of them, and the Democrats as in a, a corporation have sued to keep a number of other third parties off the ballot in a number of states. So could you please explain, <laughs> sir, your plan to get on the ballot in 10, let alone 50 states? No? Oh, okay, well, this is a book tour. All right, you're on a book tour. 
Okay, Cornell West, the Green Party, that joke, they rigged their primary in 2020 worse than they did the Democrats did. Uh, the, there's a buddy of mine named Ian Schlackman who was trying to run within that apparatus. Uh, he's out of Baltimore. He's a crave fellow. Um, and, and he saw it from the inside and came on Slow News Day and laid it all out just how the Green Party launders money, is corrupt, works with these open society foundation you know, uh, money here, this, that, there. And, uh, it, you know, it, it, it should have removed all doubt that, that the Greens were a joke. I think most people had figured that out just by listening to them. But I would love the link to that and put it in the show notes. All the show okay. notes will be on monicasdeepdives.com, but I'd like to listen to that and share it with people. Because yeah, it's, yeah, I've yeah. been fascinated with the idea of like insider exposés. I was going to go back and just find like an old Dick Morris book or whatever when he outed like the Clinton thing because I, I don't, you know, I can guess but it's nice to have somebody say like, this is actually what happened. And, you know, and that's why I feel like that would be really interesting to listen to. Yeah. So yeah, there aren't there, too many. There was that a can, hummingbird like yeah. about a foot and a half away from me just staring say, at me for a second. In defense of my little corner of LA, it's actually in the mountains basically. And uh, there's a tree outside my door that has a hummingbird nest. So the hummingbirds just zip around. like It's very, very cool. I might actually, I mean, if Texas turns into California anyway, I might as well just put some roots down. But yeah, so um, yeah, there aren't too many that have that like uh, on the ballot. But at this point, when I look at the third party stuff, I just think that they're, that they're spoilers anyway. And I would never say that for Ron Paul, especially since he won Iowa in 2012. Like that is not someone who's splitting the ticket. That is somebody who fucking won. And they'd be like, well, he could never win. Like he doesn't have the national appeal. And then they had Trump who never won a single election ever. And I was like, so why is this guy somebody you think can win? You know, that that's obviously a fake excuse. But then you look at some of these, uh, contests where there is like 1% of the libertarian. I mean, I look at Georgia and the senators from Georgia, that was a hugely upsetting. And I think, you know, it was Shane Hazel's 1% would have made the difference. I mean, I hate to like name names and uh, dis disrespect, but I just like, that's weird to me. Or one and a half percent more people who didn't vote in that election could have voted in that election and it would have. That's true. And actually yeah. that's a great point because I didn't, I, I wanted to make sense of it. I didn't like what I was, you know, entertaining. Well, but, I mean, ultimately what's that, what that's supposed to say, and I'm sorry to, to cut you yeah, off. No, you're that, right, you're right. What that's you're supposed saying. to say is neither the GOP candidate nor the Democrat candidate excited enough people within their own party to get them right. out of their door and into the and, and so the people who were running that got 1% of their vote, the idea that they would normally vote for the Republican, most libertarians that you talk to these days would much rather stay at home than they vote wouldn't for the GOP vote at all. Candidate. Yes, I yeah. agree with you there. That's actually what was wrong with my thinking is that you can't know. You can't. That's what my mother says about uh, prenatal testing. She's like, you can't know. <laughs> so they, you know, like, because I have a son with Down syndrome and I see lots of people, they come up to me and they say, oh, I was diagnosed with such and such and they told me to have an abortion or whatever and I didn't and my kid's normal. So, and it's just everything. You just can't, you don't, you can't know what you don't know and you have to recognize that and it's true. I don't, I, I, I only vote for 
not one of the main can. I always vote for Ron Paul. Sometimes I vote for my mom. And, uh, you know, I just register my protest to the liberal fascist center. And yeah. you're right. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I, I don't tell. I. It's not like I'm encouraging people to vote for a Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter to me. And and in my opinion, like the way it works, like the the, you, the whoever you get is definitely someone who's been selected. And they... They do use the the zeitgeist during the election year to understand what they can get away with. So, yeah, would I rather have somebody who promises free markets and, you know, ending the drug war, whether it happens or not, and whether that person's a Fed or not? Would I rather someone say, like, I'm not eager to, to you know, continue World War III? Like, yes, I would rather somebody who says that, and I would rather that the powers that be feel like they have to give us that person. And that's where I think, you know, that's why I'm like, yeah, I would prefer this guy to that guy, only because this guy's not going to have his foot on the gas because that's what, you know, people aren't ready. And I think that it may be, an all bets are off situation for that going into 2024 because they can't give you Joe Biden. They can't. The Democrats can't run that guy and they know they can't run uh, Kamala Harris. I know. What's up with that? Is she going to be the running mate in your opinion? Like, what do you think is the story there? Because, I mean, I assume Biden's going to not make it through. Like, if he won again, he would not make it four years. And I just wonder what's the, you know, what's being teed up for that. And we haven't had like a real trauma event of that. You know, I just feel like they they recycle these old things. And when you think about the 60s, all the like real, you know, acute trauma events. I don't like to name things like that because I feel like it's bad juju, but you don't need it with Joe Biden. He's already... <laughs> he the, is a trauma event. <laughs> the, he is. He's a humiliation ritual wrapped within another oh, humiliation yes. ritual. Yes, and we're yes. the unwitting participants in yes. the humiliation ritual. But so they put him out to pasture right before the convention. They give Harris an asterisk presidency, but the Democrats mm. in their own rules that have it written in that they can nominate a candidate from the convention floor, regardless of whether or not they engaged in the primary process wow. whatsoever. That's, I hate it. I absolutely hate it when they bypass those those rules. They do and it in a number I, yeah. of different ways. They have that. Yes. They have the superdelegates. They, they have uh, people who speak on the floor to nominate, that's a that's an appointed position. The person who says, we from the state of California, yeah. you know, nominate. Yeah, that's an appointed person. So if that person walks up and yes. it's Joe Biden's been taken out, Kamala has her asterisk, and if enough states go, we nominate Gavin Newsom, then Gavin Newsom wow. is the nominee for the Democrats. Wow. No primary, no process, nobody, no citizens get a vote. Comes down to whoever is the head selector, delegate, whatever, <laughs> for each state. I remember a couple of years ago, a couple of cycles ago, the mayor, I think it was Garcetti from L.A., was the host oh. of the DNC. And he got up and he was like, we're, we're Democrats, we believe in the democratic process. Like, how many people want to erase God from our platform. 
And everybody raised their hands. Everybody raised their hands. But it had been decided behind closed doors that that was not going to happen. It was their opportunity to tell middle America, like, we are not totally godless yet as this party. And then he went to, and he's like, oh, let's take a revote. Oh, yeah, I don't see any hands. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. So God, God, yes, God stays in. I just remember thinking, like, who could take that seriously? And, yeah, it was just, it's so obvious when they do that. and They just don't care and they get away with it. I didn't know that you could. Uh, they could just pick somebody. That's amazing. Oh, Michelle Obama, maybe. Well, no, maybe. But I now that they announced that, like the random person who ran Emily's list is the replacement senator for <laughs> Feinstein because she checks off a couple identity <laughs> politics boxes. Right. Um, the they'll have uh, an opportunity to, I think. Well, we all know, we, look, we all know that California's uh, elections are rigged to hell and gone, right? The, Absolutely. That they have one of the worst track records uh, with, uh, what was his name? Alex Padilla. That yes, guy when he yes. Was I believe that State. he might be my actual congressman. No, Dude, that no, guy's no, a no, 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 weasel. no, 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 yeah, somebody I should probably know. But um, but they barely would even have to rig elections here because people vote for bad stuff. <laughs> they, they're terrible voters anyway. That's true to a degree, man. But I mean, I, I live in Sonoma County. Oh, yeah, right. You yeah. know, and it's like there's a bunch of super woke people that do performative things, in this, but you get outside of like Santa Rosa. Or if you're not specifically in, there's like a, a little, um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, I don't know, uh, Guerneville is like one of the gay capitals uh, of California. And it's this little mountain town on the R Russian River. And like, it is just wall to wall psyop. The, the whole fucking town is crazy. It is. Really? Have, oh, dude, it's, it's wild. Um, but outside of those two little enclaves, really, it's wineries and yeah. it's ranches. Yeah, when people grow stuff, yeah, they they got their feet on the ground. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because that is that's real, and that will keep you grounded. That's and you true. know, too. I that. mean, that's most of California, except yeah, for L.A., true. the Bay Area. Most, you know, coastal shit, sure. But everywhere else is still. I mean, it's still pretty cowboy. In a lot of places. Yeah. So let me just get your... So I had this one thought, which I always look to what's happening in the UK. Sometimes they give you like a little front runner or it bounces back and forth. So like Boris Johnson was the Trump and, you know, you just have these little funny things. And so I did a, several shows on Rishi Sunak, who obviously, like, who's going to care about that? But he's so fishy. So fishy. Oh, and they did that. They did the same thing. That's what was making me think of it, is that he was absolutely not elected in any way, in any measure. The conservative party rigged it from beginning to end to the point where they rigged it so hard that in the last, like, two hours before the selection, whatever, there is like nobody can enter the race in the last two hours. And then they had the last person standing who had to jump through a lot of hoops. She just pulled out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there was, they were taking no chances that showed that to me meant like this guy had zero, zero sport. But I feel like when they're uh, like 
like, remember when Harry Reid said America's, like, ready for a light-skinned black guy or something? Mm -hmm. I forget what the exact quote was, and who doesn't have a dialect. Like, something (laughs) truly offensive. Yeah. And, you know, and and I feel like they were like, okay, like, the UK is ready for a person of Indian descent. And he's super fishy because his father-in-law is, like, uh, Infosys, or it's I don't know, I forget what it's called, but it's, like, a huge company of that does surveillance and everything oh, and yeah, the yeah. UK is going to have like this guy's going to oversee the um you know the bringing all these policies in that's going to benefit his family personally which is just crazy but uh, if you were to reflect that i mean i noticed that like Kamala Harris is a person of indian descent uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is a person of Indian descent. Nikki Haley is a person of Indian descent. So while, like, my mom and my friend Clint, like, are think Michelle Obama is going to be the first black woman president, I would think that it would be the first black woman president will be actually a person of Indian descent since she's already teed up. So I would, I don't know if you think that, but I just noticed these things, and it's so cynical, but I think it might be true. No. And and I mean, this is why I say that she's going to get an asterisk presidency because, you know, they'll remove Biden. She'll get that particular honorific. Hillary Clinton's head will explode. Uh, (laughs) But but with Vivek, the he I mean, yeah, okay. You know how uh, Americans have, at least especially in the the media landscape, have a habit of taking something that looks like it's a hit in the UK and then doing an American Mm -hmm. version of it. Yes, yes, yes. The office, House of Cards. Vivek is the office (laughs) of Rishi Sunak's. And I don't oh, know. That's the I best. don't know if he's going to. Actually, Rishi Sunak is a walking. He's a three-dimensional IMF loan. That, that's yes. what he is. Yes, and, yes, and he's that is just scary. there to usher in all of the policies of the bank of the international settlement. Right, and and you have to, and you like it. You want it. You're you're yeah. begging for it because he says he says like he's he's like taps into the Trump. Thing of like saying obnoxious things, saying daring things, but because he isn't a white guy, he can actually take it a little further. So one of the things he said in the debate was victimhood is a choice. And it's like, you can't fucking say that. Like that, you know what I mean? Like he can say he's, it, but he's it's just trying to he's trying to appeal to what he thinks was Trump's blue-collar frat boy demographic. Or you know, move it further to that, like move it, appeal to it and then double down. And I feel like if you see him saying that stuff, you hear him saying that stuff, you think it's okay. I think people, I think American discourse got less civilized because of Trump. Like, I don't care, but I'm just saying, like, I really think so. And they start all of a sudden they started using vulgarity, like in on TV every once in a while and stuff. Like it was so clear that they were moving the dial to coarser profile. Well, it's the, the further degradation of the institution, and that's what gives people the permission to degrade themselves and debase themselves. These guys are corrupt. Why the heck should I do anything that's remotely human? You know? Yes, yes, have no self-respect. We're not treated with respect. They have no they don't have any self-respect, but I think that they are truly acting. But there's one thing I wanted to mention about a previous you something you said earlier where they they can basically say what they're doing uh, and then get away with it and it doesn't matter. And I, I always think about the revelation of the method idea where you have predictive programming or you have stuff that shows, you know, that is supposedly 
The theory goes that the power elite will tell you in advance what they're going to do, and the fact that you do nothing about it is your way of showing consent. But I actually think it's their way of demonstrating their power the way Babe Ruth would point to a place you know, far away. Like, it's just, they're, they're just like, look, we're doing this. And then they get to yuck it up with their friends. Like, can you believe we got away with that? And I did it because you remember I said it at this time. Well, here's the thing. When there's never any accountability whatsoever, what you're doing is you're rewarding people for falling up, right? You're rewarding people for outsourcing their creativity or abandoning their creativity and appealing to their most base survival instincts, however that manifests. So it, the, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. One is, it, is it's thought of as like a karmic washing Right. So where I'm telling you what I'm doing, right, as you're kind of yeah. saying. So um, if if you don't stop me, that's consent. That's permission. Sure. The other is it, it's a natural human progression for when you're getting away with that to develop a, a, the arrogance and hubris along with it. Mm-hmm. And it's the arrogance and the hubris that is manifested and obvious to see way more than any sort of notion that like, because this individual believes that if this is a ritual and they do this and they say this, then it will give them power and influence. It's way easier to believe that they're simply just arrogant and hubristic, but that's gotta come from somewhere, right? So yes, and I would, I want, to take the opportunity to get like a little bit of an insight into what you think is human nature. And I almost wonder if there are two human natures, like the, the, the plebes and the elite. I don't know, but you're talking about that human nature. But I wonder, I mean, will they actually change? You know, are we so base that this thin veneer of civilization is just that? Or are we actually, is there a nobility of man and that the the further they push us, there'll be like a backlash. Like, what do you think is the true human nature? The future of humanity, Steve, come on quick. <laughs> I, I mean, so I had the privilege of interviewing John McAfee uh, wow. from, the, from the pirate yacht in 2020 before wow. he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Cinco de Mayo. And I asked him a, a similar question and he gave one of the most wild answers and I'm not going to try to encapsulate right. all of it, but he said culture is the thinnest of all veneers. And, and that uh, what we're witnessing is an intentional erosion of everything that I, I guess us plebs have come to understand or recognize as culture. And what is being revealed is the true culture that, that you know, the people who market themselves as elite because they were born into a system where they inherited resources and the, the uh, I guess, the best mode of increasing influence at the time was exploitation. So that has become their fucking religion is that exploitation. And so now we're seeing that manifest over the last several years that, no, we've been 
walking around assuming that culture meant we had high-minded ideals and we were courteous and we were polite and we helped our communities and we did the, you know, some of us worship this way, some of us worship that way, but we all understand that we're largely a, a connected part of the, the fabric of the universe. And what we're being shown is, is the complete opposite inversion of that. And, and so I think perhaps, yeah, I think you're right. I think there are two very distinct mindsets that are being operated I mean, it's on. Called, it seems in your terms, it could be two different cultures. There is that, the Haute culture and yeah. then the base culture. But I'm always, you know, I'm part of the base culture. I, I respect it. I always had a lot of hope for humanity in that way. Um, but, and, you know, people don't like it when I, when I criticize the Trump movement and I'm, not necessarily. I'm just saying I remember when people stopped defending, stopped using the Bill of Rights as like the litmus test for whether they liked somebody on the right or not because of they just liked Trump's personality. And then I started thinking that it is quite thin. It is quite thin, a facade. And we, I, you know, but, but I just, I wonder if that facade has never been really, it, it pulled away and then Underneath that is another thin facade, but what's underneath that one? You know, I feel like I'm not even sure the elites know what happens when they pull that first one away. The second one's there, and then we we realize it's bad, or maybe because people have religion, worship, and stuff like that, they they will fall back. You know, maybe there is an archetype or a you know a universal memory deep inside, which I think Ron Paul tapped into for Americans, but you know, it might be like morality tapped into. There's a lot of big religions, like a billion people each, and they all have fundamental morality. I'm not sure it's going to be that easy to separate us from that. Well, look at what the Pope just did, right? Ugh, Where he said, hey, to. we're going to relax our, <laughs> our, our overall philosophy on same-sex marriages. Now, uh, the Pope's doing that. My mom goes to church at a place with an openly gay pastor, uh, and it has been for a decade, you know, going to, to that church. Um, so we've seen woke legislation from the pulpit, you know, or at least yeah. woke advice, woke moralization from the pulpit for a number of years now. And I think that there is, you know, if you listen to Jay Dyer at all talk about this stuff, um, there is a, a very intent, deliberate perversion of um, not necessarily orthodox Catholicism specifically, but orthodoxy writ large across the religious spectrum. And, and I think that uh, because people have been conditioned to be reactionary. Yes, I was going to say, you're seeing the reaction. The proof of what you're saying is that you actually are witnessing the reaction. Yeah, and because, because a lot of people of are like literally going Russian Orthodox. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. Yeah, so there's going to be a pendulum swing to the opposite end, which is going to be equally as perverse and weird. Yeah, I, I. that's why I liked, I heard a little 20-minute thing by James Lindsay, who was in Europe, saying something. And I really, I mean, I remembered who he was because he did that funny thing, like, did fake studies and got grants for them, which I thought was really funny. Uh, but it was it was very interesting. He was like, yes, this is all true. This is where it comes from. This is where it's going. And be careful that you don't get tricked into overreacting. 
And I thought that was a good point because I do get nervous about that. I really do. Like when people are like, let's revisit the Nazis. Like maybe that, you know, they, the reaction to communism is Nazism. Let's look at it. You know, I'm like, I don't, you know, <laughs> you're not going to make it with anyone anyhow. We did have Corey Hughes on the show yesterday and it was a fascinating conversation. It's fascinating. I mean, and, and you, I mean, it is absolutely true that the winners write the history. So this, I have a book on my shelf by Renee Wormser, who is the Reese Commission committee lawyer when they were trying to figure out if um, tax-exempt foundations were un-American. It was the House Un-American Activities Committee. But the book is called The Myth of the Good and Bad Nations. And his idea is, like, when you when you have a war or whatever, it's like one nation is super, super good and the other is super, super bad. And, you, and perforce, like, the whole entire narrative is just, it, it leaves out any kind of yin and yang, any balance anywhere. And, you know, a lot, there were a lot of Germans who were not evil in that time. And you just, you know, so yeah, I, I'm not saying that it is fascinating to go back and look at a little revisionist history. The, the Germans that weren't evil, and I know we're trying to get out, and I don't want to uh, ignore Stuart's question either, but the, the, the Germans that were, you know, did good Germans or whatever, the Leni Reifenstahl, who did a number of Hitler's propaganda films, referred to them as the submissive void. The, the Germans who were overall decent and were caught up in... Boy, that know, hurts. That hits some, close to home. <laughs> the submissive void is definitely going to be our downfall. That's that's wow. what she that's what Gosh. she referred to as Ugh. the overall just good you know good hearted German masses the submissive oh void gosh. and what yeah. was critical for her to reach them as a propagandist the the uh, area that she went to first was the intelligentsia in academia and she had the academics start to put forth all of her propaganda narratives. And because they were they were the smartest people in the room, we can't argue yeah. with them. Man, that guy's got all the degrees and the letters after his fella knows what he's talking about. What are you? Are you an expert, Monica? And they're fast talkers. You know, they're good talk. They're very persuasive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. The reason I put Stewart's question up there is that I wanted to just end on a little bit about the Third Eye Carnival because that's how you started. You said, and what Stewart is saying is, ways to give a nudge is a good topic, and I just that's what you were saying about the Third Eye Carnival. And you know, if you want to expand on that a little bit, and also encourage people to participate and uh, check it out where they can check that out, for example. Absolutely, absolutely. And right now, right now, the the bulk of the information is contained within the AM Wake Up newsletters, but there's a give, send, go, because we're trying to fund it on the front end a little bit to get some people out there and, and speak and stuff like that. Um, I do have that. Like, it's just give, send, go .com slash yeah, third eye carnival. Um, but uh, what, what the whole point of this is, and what our Mayantese's hope with this is, is that something like this, just a, a one-day event where you, especially if you, Monica, and other show hosts that we go to and talk to about this, everybody knows somebody relatively close that does something cool. And it's not super difficult to get a little space for a day or somebody's property where you can do it when the weather is nice. The whole point of this is that it's replicatable. We don't necessarily want to scale anything because that's for people with right. resources and a board. Yeah. But we would like to replicate it, get together in real time, have an excuse. The Third Eye Carnival is an excuse. Come out, see some live music, 
be entertained by some other wild stuff. Here's some people talk about some stuff that you, you know, may not necessarily be aware of or, or at first comfortable with, but by the nature of the venue and the people there and the space and the good time that they're having, it's going to make these topics a lot less scary and a lot less intimidating. And that's the nudge that yes. people really need is permission to have these thoughts and hold them and discuss them in a space. And I hate to use the safe space shit, but, you know, somewhere <laughs> where yeah. it's a little bit more fucking comfortable. That's funny because my husband and I went to Childerberg one year when it was uh, during lockdown in California. And he was just, I, I didn't even, I didn't think anything of it, but he said, wow, like, this is not affecting these people. Like, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody cares at all. It's like, this isn't even happening. And it was it, it was really eye-opening. And it was just an environment where people had, everybody there had kind of the same idea of what was normal and true. And it makes you feel, like, open to it because this variety of people who don't seem crazy and are, you know, ha having a cocktail, having a chat like the same music as you and they don't seem crazy. And that, that I think is part of when you just like corner somebody and try to tell them, don't you understand <laughs> nanoparticles? <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's right. super cool. It's a neutral environment where people are having fun. And you know what? It's like the opposite of like trauma based mind control. It's like, you know, groove based uh, connections. And I like it. Yeah, in real time with people you may or may not know and may and may not agree with everything about. And that's yeah. okay, because if the end goal is separation from the technocratic panopticon, you're going to need some neighbors. You're, you, you, can't, you can't do that. It frightening me is saying when we had the propaganda report had uh, a meetup at Neighbors Feed and Seed in Atlanta, there was like, he had a, a big space and um, I think somebody was there with a guitar. I think Aviva and the Flying Penguins were there and there was like 40 people, there's pizza, whatever. And we just had such a great time. Someone brought me like some aquavit from Sweden. Like we just people brought little things and it was really, really fun and very nourishing. Very We've been doing producer meetups for for AM Wake Up, and, and they've been really freaking cool. And like, we went to a farmer's market one day. We went to a restaurant uh, on the coast in Bodega Bay another time. We were up grilling oysters. Where do you list uh, them in your newsletter? Yeah, because yeah, I yeah, used yeah. to always announce like the higher side chats ones and no agenda ones because you know, the people listen to me are going to have fun with those people. So I'm always uh -huh. happy to announce when you're having one, especially maybe I have a little bit of some California listeners now. Yeah. And so, uh, the next one will be in November and I'm looking to do it in an indoor venue, obviously because of the weather, but there's a comedy club in Santa Rosa that's relatively newish. So I was thinking about going and checking that out. All right. Well, keep me posted and who knows, maybe I'll be up that way. That would be super fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I telling everybody I know that they should, they should come visit yeah. and hang out. In fact, I'm trying to put together a union of the unwanted real life meetup. Wow. That would be cool. Oh my gosh. I would, I would definitely travel for that. I really love that crowd. So, wow. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you just did three hours of podcasting and then came and gave me an hour, which I really appreciate it, but I wanted to catch up with you. I was interested in what you were doing. I love the third eye carnival idea. 
I love your show. I'm always impressed by how plugged in you can stay on this stuff, which I know you know is mostly fake. <laughs> so you still you still help people decipher it, which is important, and I appreciate it. So thanks so much. And if people like, what's your what's the best like spot? Is there an AM Wake Up URL that you want to tell people? Yeah, just yeah, amwakeupshow.com. Just go oh, straight excellent. to the website, and then the entire universe is at your disposal. We we're live streaming on Rockfin and Rumble uh, currently Monday through Thursday, seven to ten Pacific. Um, you, but we can you, listen to the podcast on any podcasting platform, right? After yeah, it's yeah, done yeah. live streaming, you can go back and listen to it, which is great. Yeah. And oh yeah, amwakeupshow dot com. Yes, ma'am. And I can't wait. And and if, by the way, if anybody's listening, you'd like to help get something like the Third Eye Carnival off the ground. There is the gifts and go for it. Um, if you'd like to do it in your own right, Tees and I have both said, you know, we'll make ourselves available uh, at, at least for like, you know, helping beforehand in a meeting or two with organizing, getting stuff out there. If you want us to remote in more than happy to do that. Um, and everybody who's listening, if you haven't already, go to conspiracysynergy.com. Check out Tisa's work. He's got a couple of, you can give these videos to your normie friends mm -hmm. and they're made specifically for them to sort of unwind out of the, the barrel a little bit. Um, I will, yeah, I will put all of this stuff in the show notes at monicasdeepdives.com so people can go there. I'll have it up tomorrow and people can easily click through to all this stuff. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for all of your efforts on behalf of truth and positivity. I love it. And uh, Meet Space, my favorite space. <laughs> so that's excellent. And keep me posted. I'll see you next time, hopefully in the flesh at some point soon. And I'll see you on the next Union of the Unwanted. Thank you, Steve Poikman from AM Wake Up and also my Union of the Unwanted Buddy. Thank you all for listening. This is Monica Perez and you have been listening to Deep Dives.